Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey the word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. Our series is entitled Growing as Talmudim. I just want to say this that there is a shortage of Talmudim in the body of Messiah. Wow. Really, Rabbi? There's possibly one billion believers in the world. But it's funny, God doesn't call us to be just believers, does he? Matter of fact, he says the demons believe and they tremble. God is looking for Talmudim, disciples, right? He commands the Shaliachim, the apostles, to go out and not make believers, right? He says to go and make disciples, Talmudim of all nations. And I want to tell you that there is a shortage of Talmudim in the body of Messiah. And that's what prompted this series of messages. And I want to tell you that I have a conviction really very strongly in my spirit that this is by far the most important series of messages that we have ever done. God is looking and is in urgent need of people who will say, Hineni, God, here am I, ready to be a Talmud or a Talmudah of Yeshua, a disciple of the Messiah. Now, we have been going through 12 characteristics of a Talmud, and we've covered 10 so far. You see, the goal of this series is to get us to think and to re-examine what it means to be a believer and a disciple of Yeshua. Like I said, it is more than just faith in a set of doctrines and beliefs. Being a Talmudim is more than just attending weekly services here at Beth Emanuel. A Talmud or a disciple is about being an ardent follower of Yeshua every single day of our lives. Walking every day with the intent to do what Yeshua did, to say what Yeshua said, and to act like Yeshua acts. Being a Talmudim is about ultimately growing and maturing to be like Yeshua is by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. Not in your own strength, not in your intellect only, but in the power, say the power, of the Ruach HaKodesh. Dwelling in us. Amen? God is calling us to be Talmudim. And in this series, we are covering 12 characteristics. So far in this series, we have covered the first 10. And I'll remind you of them. A Talmud is a learner. A Talmud grows. Grows in their faith to maturity. Grows. In other words, let me say this. Let me give you an example. If you have to be encouraged to tithe, or encouraged to pray, or encouraged to have devotions every day, 
after a few months of being in the Lord, and some for many years in the Lord, friends, we need to grow past that. That is faith 101. I learned that within three and six months of becoming a believer. And it's, it's not, you know, to, to any credit of mine. It was the environment I was in. That's how they taught me. And I want to tell you that a Talmud grows in God. Amen? A Talmud has a burden to bear. It's not just a big, warm, and fuzzy to be a Talmud. It's not just so we could get stuff and feel good about ourselves and get a house and get a car and get stuff so we could feel secure in our lives. A Talmud has a burden to bear because God has given us a mission to accomplish, an assignment to accomplish while we're here on earth, right? And so that burden for what burdens his heart. Do you know when God looked at you before you accepted the Messiah? He had a burden for you. He was looking at you and his heart was burdened that you were walking in darkness. So he sent someone your way that told you the good news. And when you accepted that message, your heart came to life. And God still has that burden for those who have not yet accepted his. So a true Talmud has a burden to bear. A Talmud reproduces. Guys, I just want to say this. If you have never led someone to the Lord, you need to grow in that area. And let me tell you what the problem is. Rabbi, I've shared with a few people. Friends, any farmer will tell you this. That to get a crop, you don't sow one seed. Do you? Let me just plant one seed for every plant I want. Do they do that? No. They sow hundreds of seeds to get ten plants. And so we need to be those who are ever talking about God's goodness. Friends, is not it called the good news? Is it? Is the gospel called the good news? Who do you know on this earth that doesn't want to hear good news? Do you know anyone? If you went up to someone and said, I have good news for you. Oh, no. Stay away. I'll have none of that good news. Right? No, it's good news. And let me tell you this. That even after you tell them, if they react initially, I want to tell you what's reacting. Not their spirit man. Their flesh is reacting. Their intellect might react. But let me tell you something. Just like me, when I was told the good news for the first hundred times, my flesh reacted. Oh, you mean I have to do something? No, there's nothing wrong with me. And I reacted in the flesh. But I could tell you this, that my spirit man immediately knew that what I just heard was true. And despite what my external appearance was manifesting, and it wasn't nice, and if you were sharing, if you were the one sharing your faith with me, you would have said, this guy is a lost cause. There's no way this guy is coming to faith. He's hostile toward that. But I can tell you in the inside, 
in my heart, the Spirit of God was wooing me, drawing me, speaking to me, changing me. A Talmud loves the brethren. Do you love God's people, the house of God, the kingdom of God? Do you love to be where the presence of God is, to worship him, to, to be with his people? A Talmud loves the brethren. A Talmud loves Yeshua above all else. Above all else. There's not one person, there's not one thing in this world that a Talmud loves more than Yeshua. And I could say, I love my family. I'm a family guy. I love my family. They are right up here in my list. I love my wife. I love my children. But I, I'd lay down my life for my family. But I love God more. God's first. A Talmud goes after the lost. A Talmud is fruitful. A Talmud is generous. And like Rabbi Carol led off with in the announcements that a Talmud is a servant. Let me say this. Friends, can I give it to you straight? I mean, if you wanted sugar-coated, watch TV. I really want to give it to you straight like I got it. There is no one, if you are a real, there is no, you can't tell me that there is a real Talmudim of Yeshua who doesn't serve in any capacity in the body. No desire to serve God in any way. They don't want to do anything. They just want to come to service, receive, and never give. Friends, that is, my brain is shorting out. It doesn't make no sense. It doesn't make sense to my brain. It doesn't make sense to my spirit. It doesn't bear witness in the word of God. That Talmudim have the very DNA of the living God, who is the ultimate servant, right? Yeshua, the servant of the Lord, came, the Shamash, and served all mankind. His DNA lives in a Talmudim. So how could a Talmudim have zero desire to serve? Friend, it's not true. If you're a Talmudim, and you're coming to this congregation, let me tell you this. There should be a ministry that you are involved in on a regular basis. Why? Because that's who Yeshua is. And I can tell you this is the truth. That real Talmudim, and I could see them all across this congregation, are serving in, in more than two areas. They were serving one, two, three, four, five areas. Can I tell you something about my children? My children do everything in this congregation. There's not a ministry that they don't do. Servants. Say I'm a servant. And today I'm going to cover the last two characteristics and in my opinion, they're the most powerful. But they're only going to be powerful to you if you really desire to grow in God. That's just the truth. You know, I prayed to the Lord today because I knew, you know, snow event. When you hear snow, when people hear snow, this is what they, they do. I'm not going tomorrow. Regardless if there's a flake of snow, a drop of snow, an inch of snow, 
just flurries. They say, I'm not going. So I prayed to the Lord. I said, God, send me, send the people who need to hear this message. So I'm trusting that you're here on purpose. That you're here in this time and it's no accident. Before I go into the last characteristics, let me start with this little story. A young man was eager to grow in his life as a follower of Yeshua. He got a piece of paper and made a list of all the things he would do for God. He wrote down the things that he would give up, the places he would go to minister, and the areas of ministry he would enter. He was excited. And so he took that list to the congregational service and put it on the bima. Here you go, God. And he expected to be flooded with joy and peace. But instead, he felt empty. So he went home, and he started adding to this list things that he would do and wouldn't do. And he took the now longer list and put it on the bema. Here go, God. And he felt absolutely nothing. Then he went to a wise old rabbi, told him the situation and asked for help. The rabbi said, take a blank sheet of paper, sign your name at the bottom, and put that on the bima. The young man did. Then suddenly peace and joy flooded into his heart. You see, isn't it true? A servant, right, doesn't tell the master, I'm willing to do this, that, and the other thing, does he? He just lays his life. Isn't that what the Bessara says? Right? That if we save, want to save our life, we'll lose it. But if we lose our life, for his sake, we'll gain it. You see, being a Talmudim is about giving yourself unreservedly to Yeshua. Giving him a blank check and saying, do with me as you will. When you avail yourself to God, he will use you beyond your wildest imaginations. Plus, you will have peace that surpasses understanding to guard your heart and your mind. Part of giving ourselves to God is to walk in holiness. It is surrendering our ways for God and his ways. And so with that said, number 11 out of 12 is a Talmud walks in holiness. Say holiness. In the forests of northern Europe and Asia lives a little animal called an ermine. The ermine. See if you got that picture up there. There it is. Isn't that beautiful? Look at that. Ermine on the screen. Known for his snow-white fur in the winter, he instinctively protects his white coat against anything that would soil it. Fur hunters take advantage of this unusual trait of the ermine. They don't set a snare to catch him, but instead they find his home, which is usually in a cleft in the rock or a hollow in a tree, and they smear the entrance and the interior with grime. Right? They're smart, right? Hunters learn. So they smear it with grime, knowing that the ermine doesn't want to go back in there to soil itself. 
Then the hunters set their dogs loose and they find and chase the ermine. They get it because he didn't want to soil himself. Rather than soil his white coat, he is trapped by the dogs and captured while preserving his purity. You see, for the ermine, purity is more precious than life. For the believer, holiness should be the same. Holiness means to be separated unto God for his purposes and conducting your life in a way consistent with the character and nature of God. Listen to me, hear that. Let that seep in. Conducting your life consistent with the character and nature of God. Therefore, since we have, it says in Corinthians, these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything. Say everything. Not some things. From everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now listen, holiness is different than righteousness. Right? Yeshua made us righteous. And in a sense, made us holy. But he wants us to walk out our faith by becoming more and more like him in the area of holiness. How do we do that? How do we perfect holiness out of reverence for God? The scripture said to purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. How is that done? How are you going about that? That's what the scripture says, right? So I guess as a Talmudim, you're wanting to see that happen. How are you going about that? Well... We have a clue for us in Tehillim 119, verses 9 through 11. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's a lot there. First, we must heed the word of God. Friends, the word I'm preaching today is the word of God. That we've preached for the past four weeks is the word of God. It must be heeded by us. Not merely heard. Say there's a difference between heeded and heard. Not just listen to it. Not just read it. We are to heed it and to do what it says and obey its instructions. The next thing we must do is to seek the Lord with all our heart. Say all. All our heart leaves nothing left for anything else. To seek the Lord with all of our heart. Friends, can I tell you, you want to know why we don't see the things we read about? Let's just get real. The body of Messiah compared to the first century 
people and community of faith needs to get with the program a little bit. Needs to be sold out to Yeshua. A disciple isn't playing religious games with God. No, a Talmud is serious about getting closer to God and becoming more like him. The closer we get to God, the more we will reflect him. That's just true. The closer we get to God, the more we will reflect God, his ways and his character. In our society, we spend more time eating and drinking than we do seeking God. Uh Uh-oh. If I were to take a poll as to how do you go after God? What does it look like? If I were to say to you, how many hours a day are you seeking God? You'd say, hours? What do you mean, hours? I don't have hours. We have hours. It's what do we fill those hours with? Do you think the people we admire in the word of God, do you think the people we admire, contemporaries like Reinhard Bonnke, who's seen many tremendous things of God, right? And all these great people who see millions of people come to faith. Do you think they spend five, ten minutes a day in the Lord? Do you think they seek God for a couple of minutes? No. They are going after God with everything. And hear this, I heard this. It's not about works. You say, well, Rabbi, that's, that uh, sounds like works. Like after, no, it's not works. I don't believe in works at all. Works don't gain us favor with God, but it is about obedience, right? Can we agree that God does want us to be obedient, right? And obedience calls us to a particular lifestyle, right? These are the lifestyles that we witness about in the scriptures. In our society, boy, our society needs people. Needs to see people going after God. Could you imagine if the opposite were true? If instead of being people who spent more time eating and drinking, we spent more time praying and fasting and believing and praying, and in the word of God, what a different world we might live in. The next thing that that verse teaches us, right? So we must heed the word of God. We must seek the Lord with all our heart. And the next thing the verse teaches us is to, it says, hide the word in our hearts. Memorize the word. Allow it to penetrate into your heart and spirit. And when you're tempted to go the way of the world, the scripture will call you back to him. The scripture that you have put in there will call you back to the straight and narrow. Right? To God's path. Success gurus. You ever see those folks? Right? Come listen to, think of the latest one. These success gurus that fill stadiums with people with their wise advice. They get thousands of people to come and plop down a lot of money 
to hear their wisdom on how to be successful. Well, they have people memorize and recite all sorts of positive confessions to enable them to succeed in their business, in their vocation. How much more should we, the people of God, memorize and recite the infallible and eternal word of God that is living and active and more powerful than a double-edged sword? Right? What's that guy's name? Give me one of these guys. Give me a success guru. Say again? Yeah, that's the guy I was thinking. Tony Robbins. Now, who do you rather, who are you going to believe? Tony Robbins or God? <laughs> right? That the word that we hide in our heart is powerful to change lives. Guys, by the end of this message, my goal is for their needs. There is, some of you are so downtrodden by life and by the circumstances and events and being in the battle fray, that things are bouncing off. And God wants them to sink into your spirit because I believe with all my heart, God wants to do something new and fresh and powerful and supernatural in the earth. But he's looking for people who will believe for that. Is that going to be you? Chuck Colson said, he's looking for people to walk in holiness. Chuck Colson said, He said, holiness is the everyday business of every follower of Yeshua. It evidences itself in the decisions we make and the things we do. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort. Say every effort. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. For without holiness, no one... We'll see the Lord. Are you part of no one? No one. Not me. Not you. No one will see the Lord. Wow. So if we take the scripture, this scripture seriously, then you and I are putting are all into making sure we live a holy life before God, correct? Think about your life. Think about your life and what you fill it with. Are the things that we fill our lives with things that Yeshua is okay with? Are they things he would fill his life with? Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. I believe that we have a picture into what Yeshua did fill his life with, don't we? What did Yeshua fill his life with? Think about that and compare it to what you fill your life with. (laughs) 
Yeshua lived in holiness, yet he lived a life where he experienced many things and many types of people, yet he was able to live in an uncompromised and holy life before the Father. You and I are called to do the same. Vayikra chapter 19 and 20 begin with the injunction that you shall be holy. And it then launches into a litany of biblical laws from religious to ethical, like respecting parents, elders, charity to the poor, honesty in business, observing the Shabbat, not to dabble in the occult, the famous love your neighbor, not to take revenge, the forbidden relationships, all kinds of things that would not necessarily be associated with becoming spiritual. So it seems clear from Scripture that while we do most definitely believe in the spiritual component of Messianic Judaism, the road to holiness is not so much ethereal or otherworldly, but practical and pragmatic. Holiness is to be found more in the ordinary, everyday things we do or don't do than in religious talk alone. Self-restraint, discipline, honesty, decency, doing the right thing. These are the things that can lead to holiness. That is who Yeshua is, and that should be what each of us are aiming for, to be holy. For the Lord our God is holy. Do you believe that? All of these 11 characteristics, I'm going to give you one more, guys. I am stoked to talk about the 12th one. Stoked. All I could do to skip 11 and go right to 12, to be honest with you. But all of these 11 characteristics are pursued by Talmudim because of one overarching element. Do you know what that is? Love. We love God. We love his Messiah. That's why I want to be a learner. That's why I want to walk in holiness. That's why I want to pursue him with all my heart. Not because I have to. Not because someone has a gun to my head. Not because I'm pressured religiously. Because I love him. I want to do these things out of love. Yeshua said to one of his Talmudim once, he who has been forgiven much, what? Loves much. Do you think the world needs more religion? I don't. Not at all. But it needs more disciples who walk in a love for their Messiah that allows them to do extraordinary things because they're all in. They're all in to following God, serving God, loving on God, being with God, and God flowing through them unreservedly. Let me talk to you about the last thing. 
Number 12. A Talmud walks in the supernatural. Say supernatural. Supernatural. Super means above and beyond. Right? Natural means that which we could see, feel, taste, hear, smell. The natural. A Talmud walks in the supernatural. That which is beyond what we could do with our natural lives. With our natural intellect. With our natural giftings. Friends, I look out here and I see some gifted people. But our giftings can't get the job done. God is a supernatural God. Say that. God is a supernatural God. He is above and beyond mankind. He's not like men. He's not like you and like me. That's why God could do whatever he wants. Because God is not even subject to his own laws. He created laws for men. But he's not a man. And when he wants to interrupt it at any time for any reason, he steps in. And he does whatever he wants, how he wants to do it. Why? Because he is supernatural. And I'll tell you what, our society and even in the halls of faith, we have made every attempt to make God natural. To make him a mere man. To make him like us. A man that doesn't heal. A man that doesn't deliver. A man that just has some wisdom and good things to say. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible, the Messiah of Israel, is supernatural, right? And they shall call him wonderful, counselor, mighty God. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. He's not natural. He's supernatural. And he is called Talmudim to walk in the supernatural. And friends, right, when you pick up the Bible and you read, starting in the Brit Chadashah, all the way through, what do you see? Supernatural after supernatural after supernatural after supernatural. First through the Messiah, then through his Talmudim, and it goes on and on and on and on. Supernatural. And they believed in the supernatural. And they saw the supernatural. What do you believe in? I want to tell you this. That just making that statement strikes fear into the hearts of believers. People think to themselves, I have never had a miracle or a healing take place through me in any way, shape, or form. So you might be tempted to want to disregard this point and conclude that the rabbi is overreaching on this one. 
You might say to yourself, self, most believers I know don't walk in the supernatural. So it's okay for me not to walk in the supernatural. Mostly everyone I know, every believer, they're not walking in the supernatural, so it's okay. I'll give myself a pass on this one. I'll do the other 11. But the supernatural thing, I'll just disregard. I'll leave the supernatural stuff in the hands of the ministers that specialize in those sort of things. Friends, look at me. The problem with that thinking is that it is incongruent with the Word of God. It does not line up to the Word of God. The Word of God actually calls us, as followers of Yeshua, to the supernatural. And we can't get mired in our situations that we start to relegate God as just a religious icon that we follow and a word that we read. He is the living God. What do you think turned pagan gods to say that the God of Daniel is the living God? Because they saw the supernatural power of the living God. He's not dead. He's not a God who you pray to and doesn't answer prayer. He's a God that you pray to. And when you get thrown into the fiery furnace, that he comes with you. And not even the smell of smoke is found on your person. He's a supernatural God when you throw him into a den of hungry lions. They decide they're going to fast that night. And say, I'm not hungry. Let Daniel live. Can I tell you? The Word of God doesn't teach about a natural God. It teaches a supernatural God. And I want to say that I believe that God wants to do things that will blow us away. But not if we don't believe in it. Not if we only believe in natural things. Can I tell you, for Jewish people, sometimes Jewish believers are the worst at believing in the supernatural. Yet it is Jewish people who practice all the supernatural things that you read in the Bible. Every single one of them, except a few, are Jewish. Believing in a supernatural God, doing supernatural things, speaking supernatural words, and seeing God move. Yet Jewish people today, Jewish believers, seem to have forgotten that they serve a supernatural Messiah. When's the last time a virgin conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and produced a Messiah that could walk on water, calm the winds and the waves, heal every manner of sickness and disease, preach good news to the poor, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. Some of us used to believe that. And if pressed, you would tell me you still believe it. But that passion for it has left your heart. Because you say, Rabbi, yeah, I believe it in theory. But I haven't seen it. I want to tell you it doesn't matter what you have seen. What matters is what's true. The truth is, some people think God stopped the supernatural stuff. 
I want to give you a brief teaching on that. Matthew 10, 5 and 8. God confirmed that this was the message for today because after I wrote, after I wrote the message, I was listening to something, this exact verse the man went to and started speaking on. And I said, Lord, thank you. This is what you're speaking. Yeshua summoned his 12 Talmudim. Say Talmudim. Are you a Talmudim? Are you a Talmud of Yeshua? Then he's summoning you to himself. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits so they could what? Drive out demons? Drive out and heal every kind of disease and sickness? Yeshua sent out these 12 and ordered them, don't go to the Gentiles. And do not enter into any Samaritan town, but go instead to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, this is what you ought to do. Proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those with leprosy. Sarat. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Right? I'm not making that up, correct? That is the word of God, right? Wow, that is so impressive. That list right there is like what's left after that. If you could do that, what is there left to do, right? Wow. Heal every kind of disease? Man, oh man, oh Shevitz. That is like, woo. Every kind? Yeah, every kind. Say every kind. Every kind. Every kind you got. Every kind you've encountered. Every kind that is found in the hospital today. Every kind. Every kind. Now. The problem is that for many believers, they never get beyond the first command of Yeshua. Because to see that, you have to go. Correct? You have to go. You have to put yourself out there and go. No, you don't have to leave the country or even your neighborhood. But you do have to go to the community around you to people you encounter. You have to go to the lost, go to the sick and pray. Go to the really sick, the leper. Can I tell you what I heard just this morning? Three testimonies confirmed by doctors. Three, right? Woman comes to a service and she's missing one of her floating ribs. Gone, it's not there, it's missing. Receives prayer, comes back a few weeks later with the x-rays with all 12 ribs. God does creative miracles. Another woman in Taipei comes to his service with one breast removed. 
by the end of the service, it's grown back. I watched it with my own eyes. Not grow back, but saw the testimony. I saw her there come up and say it. Another young man whose family practiced witchcraft got leprosy. Friends, leprosy still happens today. This man's body was falling off him. They showed pictures of it. It was disgusting. His body was falling off him from the leprosy. He received prayer, no leprosy. When did this happen, Rabbi? 90 years ago? This past year. Someone went to them. Someone prayed for them. Friends, you need to avail yourself to the people around you. And guess what? I heard one gentleman say that he was called to go and to be used by God in supernatural things. And for the first seven years, he saw absolutely nothing. Nothing. And then for the next seven years, he got nothing but harassed and harangued by the enemy. Defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat. But then finally, a breakthrough came. And everything turned around and they have seen hundreds of thousands of supernatural miracles take place. And it actually includes the really, 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 really sick. Dead people. <laughs> you would agree, they're pretty sick, right? Dead. I watched something online that I've known about through a ministry. A dead person received prayer and get up. He was dead three days. Listen, he was embalmed already. Embalmed. He got up. I saw the original footage. He got up. And God totally healed him. And for days, he was oozing out of his pores the embalming fluid. Totally healed, raised from the dead after three days. So this is the scoop. You either, as a Talmudim, either believe that God is a supernatural God... Or that you believe in a God that's kind of like you. That can kind of do some nice things. Right? You can encourage people. Pat them on the head. little prayer. But you can't walk in the supernatural. I want to tell you that that's not true. So listen, let's go back to our text. God, it says in the scriptures, is what? The same. Say God is the same. Yesterday. Today and forever. Isn't that what it says? Doesn't say he's different. Doesn't say he stopped being the same. He's the same. The same God that healed. The same God that rose the dead. The same God that delivered people from demonic oppression. This same God is the same today. Who is 
the God that we are connected to, correct? Okay. He doesn't change the supernatural things that he has done in the past on the behalf of his people. We can expect him. Say, expect him. Because let me tell you, if you expect nothing, you'll get nothing. If you expect God to do nothing, he'll do exactly what you expect him to do. If you expect him to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, people to respond to the good news, if you expect it, it'll begin to happen. So I want to tell you, I'll tell you what, we're down a lot of people today. But this is what I felt in my spirit. We could change the world with just this amount of people. If the people in this room had expectant hearts, weren't moved by what they see, weren't moved by what they hear, but were moved by the word of God, by the promises of God, and by what Yeshua said through his own lips. You see, the word supernatural is not a word just for the super spiritual people who have the desire to see miracles. Supernatural is not just for the strong and radical believer who can almost walk on water and call fire down from heaven. The supernatural realm is the realm of God's grace and power that is available to all. Say all. This is a quote from Frank DiMazio. To anyone, whether weak or strong, God desires to visit you with supernatural activities in your life today. Abigail, look up for me. Go to Matthew 28. And look, bring me something that has that on it. <laughs> I want to tell you something. This is why people don't believe. Because they read that verse in Matthew 10. And they said, God called the 12 and he told them to go do these things. Rabbi, now I know why it doesn't happen. Because I'm not part of that 12. I'm not part of that 12. He didn't call me to do those things. He called those 12 to do it. And that's why we read about it in the Bible, but we don't see it. Those 12, and after the last of those 12 passed away, all that supernatural stuff stopped to happen. That's the answer. There are seminaries that teach that same theology. Lots of believers that call themselves believers. Believe that. But I want to take you to a scripture. Matthew 28 and verse 18. Yeshua came and talked with them. The them are the twelve that is referenced in Matthew chapter 10. And he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Just like he did in 10, right? I give you authority. And he tells them to go and to make 
people from all nations. Say people from all nations. Into Talmudim. Immersing them into the reality of the Father and of the Son in the Ruach HaKodesh. And here's the key. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And back in Matthew 10, he commands them to go out to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, and preach the good news. So I taught you that, commanded you that now for every Talmudim in all the nations that you come in contact with, you are to tell them to obey me just like you obeyed me. So what does that mean? That means you and me who've been touched here in America likely. I don't know if anyone came to faith outside of America. But you and I who have been touched here and came to faith in America. Are called to do the same things. Declare that the kingdom of heaven has come. Mashiach has come. What a timely word for our Jewish people, right? Mashiach has come. To heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Now, after saying that, you either believe it, that you're supposed to do that. I just showed you in the word that it says that, correct? Or you don't. What I'm saying is a Talmudim walks in the supernatural. Well, Rabbi, have you seen supernatural things? Absolutely. Not to the degree I want. I want to see more. Absolutely. But I've seen powerful things. People healed. People come to faith. I've never really run across leprosy, to be honest with you. (laughs) Nor a dead person that I had an opportunity to pray for. But a Talmudim believes and walks in the supernatural. Friends, if all we have, if all we have is just we're going to get up in the morning, go sit in our prayer closet, pray a little bit, read a few words from scripture and go out and go shopping. Go to work, put in a good eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, come home, have dinner, watch a little TV and go to bed. If that's what we're going to be about, the truth is we probably don't need the power of God. Right? But if we are going to encounter people during our day, that need healing. And I wonder if there's anyone you encounter during the day that needs to hear the good news. And if we start to speak the good news to people and begin to pray over people, listen, you know, God's been known to, to heal when people of faith believe, pray for them to your workmate, 
do you mind if I pray for you? Maybe God will heal you. Is that so terrible? And to believe God to heal them. To tell people the good news. Perhaps if we did that on a regular basis, we would start to amass testimonies of our own. I believe you will. But friends, I'm urging you, pleading with you, to be a believer, a Talmud, that says, I believe God wants me to walk in the supernatural. The supernatural isn't just for leadership. It's for Talmudin. It's for you in your everyday life. It's for me in my everyday life. It's for everybody. We live in a religious environment, listen, I'm going to conclude closer, that, that does not believe in the supernatural power of God. It believes in the religious doctrines, creeds, form, tradition. That's what it believes in. But it doesn't believe in a living God, a living Messiah, who is actively, say actively, at work in the world today through regular people who believe and follow him. I want to urge you. We went through 12. 12 things that a Talmudim has these characteristics. I want you to meditate on these 12 characteristics and say, Ruach Hashem, where I am deficient in any one of them, get me up to snuff. Where I am deficient in any one of them, catch me up, Spirit of God. And I'll tell you another thing, and I'll throw this one in for free. You can call this 13, a baker's dozen. A Talmud walks in step with the Ruach Kodesh. You and I can't do this in our own strength. We are, we are natural. So how could you and I, who are natural, do supernatural? The only way we could do supernatural things is by the supernatural spirit of God that he promised to indwell us. And when the spirit of God indwells us, then and only then can this supernatural activity of God flow through us. And if you're in this room and you have never received the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, as a person of the triunity of God as a subsequent event to salvation. You need to do that. You need to say, Ruach Hashem, come and fill me to overflowing and do the work of God through me. Many times in the book of Acts, the men of God were refilled with the power of the Ruach HaKodesh and went from there and did all sorts of supernatural signs and wonders, not in their own strength. They were men just like us. 
They ate, they drank, they bled, they died. But they did supernatural things because the spirit of the living God flowed through them to touch hurting people. And I want to tell you, he is the same and available if we call upon him. And tell me, deem, believe and walk in step with the Ruach HaKodesh. How do you think our Jewish brethren did all those things? They did it by the power of the Ruach Hashem. Friends, this is my vision in closing of Messianic Judaism going forward. It's more, listen, to everything that we did today I enjoyed. I enjoyed all the liturgy. Matter of fact, I probably enjoy it more than some people because some people read it as rote. There is life in those words. A God who is faithful in all his words. We said that as one of the blessings. Every time I read that, I am invigorated. There's not one word that God spoke that he's not faithful to perform. But as much as I might enjoy those things, okay, I see a Messianic Judaism that isn't only bound to form, but is also a Messianic Judaism that believes in what Messiah promised, and that is the power of heaven flowing through God's people to transform the world. Friends, there's nothing going to transform the world except the Spirit of God living and working through God's people. And if you are interested in that, let's stand to our feet. And invite him. You know, the Holy Spirit is so, is a gentleman. He does not go where he's not wanted. And that's why in a lot of congregations, you can't find him. He only goes where he's welcomed. And if you welcome him into your life, to be what he was designed to be, in Greek it's the parakletos, the one who comes alongside us to help us because we're weak. And if you will invite him into your life, he will come into your life and empower you. But he does not come uninvited. He won't impress himself on you. He won't force you. He won't say you have to. But if you welcome him in, he'll come in. And he'll begin to do things in you and through you to the glory of Yeshua. That's the purpose he was sent. Not to glorify you, but to glorify Yeshua. That Yeshua would be seen in your life. And how? Through the supernatural. So let's call upon him. Repeat after me. Ruach HaKodesh. I welcome you into my life, into my world, into my heart and my spirit. Ruach Hashem, come and lead me, guide me, glorify Yeshua through me. May the name of the Messiah be magnified and glorified through your ministry living through me. Spirit of God, I welcome you into my heart. 
I welcome you into my life. I welcome you into my home and into my family. And Spirit of God, I welcome you into this place, into this sanctuary, into this house, that you would have your way, that you would do signs and wonders and miracles that glorify the Messiah and lead people to him. And I ask it all in Yeshua's name. Friend, this needs to be something that we ardently pursue. Without the Holy Spirit, we're just regular folks with zero power. With the Holy Spirit, we are empowered by the living God to do, right? What does he say? Greater works will you do. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit disseminated amongst all the believers in the world. What an army, right? That's how it was meant to be. What an army of God. And so if you welcome him into your life every day, saying, Holy Spirit, come, flow through me, minister through me, heal through me, speak through me, he will do those things. And watch out, you're going to start to tell me testimonies of God flowing through your life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, awesome. Amen. So Lillian said her arm popped, healed. We had someone come for prayer last week with her back hurting. She walked out after she got prayer. She walked out the doors. Her back was healed and shared the testimony with us. God is a supernatural God, does supernatural things. And you need to fill yourself with that reality, not with the reality of what people tell you who don't believe in anything, but with the word of God and people of God who believe what the word of God says. Amen? And encourage yourself because God is doing great things in our world. And I want to tell you, for you, some of you are walking in situations that you're just like miserable over. Guess what? If you expect nothing to change, nothing will change. But if you expect the Spirit of God to come and move on your behalf, things will change. Okay? Hasatan, it doesn't say in any way, shape, or form anywhere in the Scripture that he wins. Show me a chapter and verse. It doesn't say it. It says God's people win. And the power of God wins. And you know what? The, the enemy is not equated with God. He is a mere created being. An angel is stronger than the enemy. God is beyond all. And when he lives in you, we don't have to fear, but we can walk in the power and the fire of the spirit of heaven. We need to believe that. We need to move in that, walk in that, and see God do great things. Amen? Amen. Stretch out your hand. Yure Radunai Panavelecha Virunecha Isaradunai Panavelecha Visimlecha Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you.
and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace and give you power and give you wisdom and strength. Lord, let your people go forth healed and filled with your spirit, we pray in Yeshua's name. God bless you. Thanks for listening and Shabbat Shalom.